0: All right, Darren Smith, episode 30 of the Always Loyal podcast. What's coming up today?
1: Episode 30. Wow. Jordan Carruth, congratulations on that. This is going to be a very smart podcast. We've invited a very smart guest on this podcast. He's the virtual stat man. Sean Kelly, who is in charge of all statistics for San Diego Loyal broadcasts, is going to join the Always Loyal podcast coming up next. Stone Buena Vesa salt and lime lager is brewed with real lime and a touch of sea salt. It's the perfect beer for enjoying in the summer sun. Stone Brewing, also proud to be a longtime partner of the Surfrider Foundation San Diego chapter dedicated to the protection and enjoyment of the world's oceans, waves, and beaches. That's why for every six pack of Buena Vesa sold, Stone is donating $2 to Surfrider. You can visit find.stonebrewing.com to track down Buena Vesa near you. Do Buena live weather
0: I don't feel prepared for this conversation with Sean usually when Sean gets going he starts throwing numbers around and I'm just like okay yeah totally xg yeah match ratings totally got it
1: he's a he's a pretty smart guy you know, we used to have these group texts going on back in the match day live era where we would all chime in on certain things and then Sean would jump into the conversation and be like okay the adult has entered the conversation. Here's the authority that has jumped into the middle of this conversation. So he's a fascinating guy to talk to. I hope a lot of loyal fans have come across Sean Kelly. I know oftentimes he's buried up there in the press box and he's feeding numbers, I guess, to Jack and to Shannon and Sal CISO, et cetera. But Sean is a really, really interesting guy. And we're going to chat with him. He is off internationally getting set to cover some formula one races. So Sean Kelly will be here in a little bit. And Jordan, I guess a bit of mixed results from the week. You know, we got a couple of different matches that we can touch on. A one-nil win at home against Monterey Bay, which which actually is more impressive, I want to say, than I probably would have thought, just given some of the circumstances of seeing an expansion club. But they were on a streak where they had what five straight clean sheets. So winning one-nil there, clipping a goal via the spot, and then away at Birmingham Legion, which was probably more difficult. Than we would have thought given some of the travel issues playing for the third time in eight days. So all in all, I think you, you know, you look at what happened there, three points at home, losing away, no excuses. There was some travel. There was some weather with that match heading down there to Birmingham all in all though, 15 wins, six losses, four draws, pretty good week, beating San Antonio, winning at home. And then unfortunately not being able to score against Birmingham.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, really good run for San Diego. Um, I was, I'm with you on Monterey Bay. You and I were there at Torero uh, watch that one Monterey Bay. They, they don't exactly play like a team that has no idea what it's doing. And they're still (laughs) like feeling each other out and getting comfortable in the league. Like they, that was good. And there's some familiar faces with Monterey Bay. So that's always nice as well. Another good performance from San Diego there. I never felt great about that Birmingham match even before the ball kicked because usually I think the way you would drop a schedule, if it was actually going to play out the way you wanted it to, if you're going to send a San Diego team to Birmingham, you're probably doing that on a week that they don't have a midweek match. And for whatever reason, San Diego had one and then had to find its way to Alabama. Like, I, I don't know that. I just didn't feel great about that one going in. I don't know how it felt in the locker room. I don't know what was going on inside those walls, but I mean, I didn't feel amazing about it going and Maybe they felt differently. I
1: don't so, think they yeah. did, actually, you know, because we had Landon on the radio on Thursday, and he sounded, you know, he's, he, no excuses. I mean, this is Thursday afternoon, or maybe it was Friday. But, you know, they they found out Wednesday night after the Monterey Bay match that their travel schedule had changed. You know, this is the glorious life mm-hmm. of being in a lower division soccer club that you're your flying commercial air. And if you paid attention at all, you know, there's been a ton of flights canceled and delayed and you got to go through different airports and deal with all sorts of stuff and different weather elements, right? Remember that story that we heard from the play-by-play voice of the LA Galaxy, Joe Tatino or our pal Joe Tatino, who we used to work with when Steven Gerrard arrived to Galaxy. He's like, damn, I was not prepared for all this travel and like going down to Houston and it's hot and it's humid. You know, it's a, it's a little bit different when you're uh, in a different part of the world and you're being flown around. And you have charter flights, etc. So you know this is this is just what you have to deal with. No excuses. I also like this about USL Jordan. Every once in a while, you see a name or hear a name, and you go, "Oh, it's like a, where are they now?" You know, Kubo Torres comes to mind from Orange County, Miguel Orozco, and how about Juan Agudelo? Like that's Landon Donovan's former teammate with the men's national <laughs> team who clips a goal. Like I didn't realize that he was even still playing stateside, and you know there he was scoring the game winner for Birmingham Legion. I was like, oh, wow, a Juan Agadella. I was on that train. I like that player a lot. So mm-hmm. I like that every once in a while, you just see her name. You go, oh, I remember that. What a blast from the past that one was.
0: All right, let's let's uh, let's get to the star of the show. Sean Kelly about to join the Always Loyal podcast. Usually the numbers we're only focused on are goals scored. Buena Vesa's consumed. Those are the numbers we're focused on. Sean Kelly, focused on real numbers. The smart man joins the Always Loyal podcast next. Baja Bound, driving to Mexico. Visit BajaBound.com for the easiest way to get Mexican auto insurance for your trip. Their easy-to-use website allows you to buy your Mexico insurance in minutes from your computer or any mobile device. BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994.
1: All right, a little bit of history here on the Always Loyal podcast, although we're not quite sure about this. It's not exactly a great on-ramp to our next guest, who is all about facts and statistics and data, but we're pretty sure this is our first ever international conversation. Virtual stat man, Sean Kelly, joining us from Monaco. or just outside somewhere thereabouts, the outskirts of Monaco. He's always there at Torero Stadium, supplying Jack Cronin, Sal Zizo, Shannon McMillan with all sorts of information, making it a better broadcast. Sean, welcome to the Always Loyal Podcast.
2: Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen, and good morning for you. There's quite a significant time zone change. I think nine hours difference, but we're all here. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> we are reunited yet again, and it
1: feels so good. We're uh, all
0: here. I want to be there. I know. I there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it is, it's, we've got spare bedrooms. It's not too late, guys. Get on the plane. <laughs> true, true or false. Actually, when you're there, uh, you are on the outskirts of Monaco. They
2: pronounce it Monaco um I've never heard it called Monaco by by anybody other than English language people <laughs> who speak English as the first language um here it's principal <laughs> monaco um so I, I yeah i don't i never i've never called it Monaco now you've got me into the whole like you know you say tomato sort of thing which I hadn't thought about until you just brought it up. The worst part
0: is he started doing this to me back like in 2017 or something. And I haven't been able to get it right ever since. Like it's one of those things. Yeah. And he just says it the opposite way every time and it's been drilled into my head. And so now it's like this game. I have to, it's a dance in my own head that I have to go through. Like,
1: which one is it again? I was on a tour bus. I was doing the touristy thing. I was on one of those double decker tour buses and the fellow who was on the pie, the public address, the microphone said, it's actually, correct pronunciation
2: is monaco and that always stuck well, with me i mean perhaps i mean i don't want to assign myself as being an expert but suffice to say everyone i've ever heard say it, <laughs> it says says monaco um so maybe maybe Monegasques say monaco in their own language. Because Monogask, I don't know if you know, Monegasque is a language. It does have its own language. It's a very rare language because there's only 5,000 uh, Monegasque natives. Everybody else here is expatriate. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe it's a rarity. Maybe you've just edumacated me. Maybe I just <laughs> learned some words. <laughs> or I've just spread a uh,
1: ridiculous amount of misinformation. Well, this being the Always Loyal podcast, this is a story of telling, so this is a podcast about telling stories. Sean, I'd love everybody to hear your story about how you got involved with San Diego Loyal in the first place.
2: Well, it was serendipitous, really. Um, I knew, uh, I I had lived in San Diego for many years before I met my wife uh, and she was from Ohio and I moved to Ohio for a few years with her, got married and so on. And then I said, look, you know, I really wanna move back to San Diego. And then we did, and it just so happened that we moved in um, to a place that was, my neighbor was going to be the, the match day uh, you know, game day manager, Jesse Beltran, who, uh, who I met just by chance. And uh, I, we met and we were talking about what we both did for a living. And we both had very interesting jobs because uh, obviously I do Formula One and he does um, soccer and um, kind of left it at that. And then separately, uh, like we both had this sort of Eureka moment separately, which is like, hang on a minute. I, you know, I do stats in formula one, um, is there any application that would be helpful for the loyal, you know, since it's the local club, I wouldn't necessarily be asking if this was another team, but because this is the San Diego team, I'd be, I'd be interested in if there's something I could do. And he, when, he, when I sent that message, he responded and said, you must've read my mind. Cause I was thinking the exact same thing. We actually need somebody who can do that stuff. Um, so that's how it came about it was just per chance you know i had a i guess i had a reasonable resume uh just the right time um and um and off we went so i was there from the start i was there at the costa del este game i was there before the first usl game i was there for that friendly before we'd even seen the i don't think we'd even seen the home shirts at that point perhaps uh, or at least they had they weren't wearing the real home shirts at that point um so yeah i've been there i've been there from. I guess I, I guess I could be called Team 1. We could all be called Team 1, couldn't we? Because we were all there right when it began.
0: How did you end up in San Diego originally? I know you went back to San Diego because you wanted to be in San Diego, but how how'd you end up in SD the first time?
2: Um, yeah, uh, it was a case of... Well, I moved to America because I was working for for Fox Sports and subsequently for NBC uh, and for CBS Sports Nationwide, uh, doing the Formula 1. Wherever where Formula 1 went, I, I went with it. And... Um, I was also doing elements of production, which led to me moving to the U S and then I have an American wife and uh, I have an American born son. So I was all in on the U S market. And uh, luckily I had a job where I could basically throw a dart at the map and say, where do you want to live? There wasn't a case of I've stuck with a desk job somewhere. So where do you want to live? Well, <laughs> what's going to feature high on the list? San Diego is going to be on the list. Uh, anybody who's been there would know that. Um, so I've I'd, I'd been there a couple of times. I had a couple of friends there and I go to visit them. And every time I'd be there, I'd be like, wow, look at this place. Like <laughs> I've got to invent a reason to come and live here. Um, so that's literally how it kind of came about. It was like. Okay, right, so so we've, I've decided it's going to be San Diego and I'm going to work backwards on, on the reasons why it's San Diego, but it's going to be San Diego because if I'm going to emigrate, then I'm going to emigrate to sort of, you know, the place, as foreigners, when we think of America, we think of like, Southern California or Miami or New York, like Chicago, like all the exciting places, just like as an American, you might think of going to Europe and you think I'm going to hang out in Paris or, you know, London, you know, all the great cities. That was the same thing for me. And when I got to San Diego, it had all the, it was like all the, um, excitement of the big city and you know, like where the action is. But to me it had none of the drawbacks. It wasn't really over congested at the time. It didn't have big traffic like LA, you know, and it was kind of, um, dare I say a bit of a well-kept secret. Um, it's probably less of a well-kept secret right now, but internationally when people think of Southern California, they think of LA, um, and that's it. Um, but San Diego was definitely for me right from the start, a love affair began in 2010, which is ongoing. Well, it's a smart choice to end up in in
0: San Diego. I assume math was your favorite class in school growing up. If I'm wrong, correct me, but if not, what was your second favorite? Subject in school,
2: assuming math was number one, being the stats guy that you are. <laughs> well, you would think it was, but um, or did you hate math? more science? No, I, 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 you know, math was fine, but I, I was more science. I like physics um, and PE. Love going out and playing football, as we call it. Um, you know, even on dismal days, which they often are in England. Um, so I, I wasn't. I I always stress to people I'm not a statistical mathematician. Statistical math is quite different to sports statistics um, because bear in mind, I, I'm basically an idiot statistician, and I mean that in the best way possible because you've always got to assume you've always got to remember that everyone who's watching a broadcast, a soccer match, um, Formula One race, whatever sport you're watching, they're not data scientists, you can't wow them was like, oh, wow, did you hear that? Like, Charlie Adams, you know, if you look at his uh, pass ratio, his, you know, the standard deviation is one of the lowest in USL. That's incredible. No one cares. No one knows what you just said. But if you say to them, like, you know, oh, uh, Charlie Adams, you know, he's only got, he's only registered like 12 touches in the box this season, but three of them are goals. It's like, okay, so the guy's pretty efficient when he goes in the box. You know, they can, that's something they can understand. So you, you've got to be careful not to blind people with science anyway. So it's quite, to me, it's a help that I, I'm not, I was, ne- I was never that great at statistical math. So I was always a pure math type of guy. Um, and I'm glad I don't, I don't try and blind people with that sort of science because it's not, you're, not, you're not going to watch a soccer game to have like a, a statistical university lecture. You're going to enjoy the game. And we're just there to compliment that. We're not there to be the, the, the item of entertainment that you've come to witness. I'm sorry, I'm
1: I'm listening to you talk about being blinded by science and I can just hear that song in my head. Science!
2: You know, a <laughs> yeah. famous song from well, the red. You know, th- fun fun fact, I think the, the person who yells science in that in that song, <laughs> Tom Stalby song, is Dr. Magnus Pike, who's a very who's a very well-known television scientist at the time. So he's a well-known voice in the UK. And he once said "The good science is only good science if you can explain it to the layperson. If you can't it's not good science. You need to be able to explain it to people. And that's exactly the philosophy. I use Dr. Magnus point science. Science! Science! And okay. I'm explaining the numbers. But I can explain the numbers to anybody who's in the stadium. Everyone in Terraro Stadium needs to understand what we're talking about. That's why I don't go anywhere near expected goals because oh, <laughs> this is my, my be- bad Yeah,
1: That was are. the next thing I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you if you could explain XG because I understand philosophically what it is Sean but I don't understand how you come up with it how it's how it's calculated what is uh, ha- explained to us because I'm sure every every soccer fan has experienced or come across some sort of XG stat someplace
0: give us the formula
2: Sean uh, I, I, I wish I could um, it, so XG um, is supposedly a metric whereby you can see how dominance, or how timid a team was during the 90 minutes. So therefore, you know, if they gave it, the more dominant you are, the more expected goals you have, which, okay, fine. Um, that does tell a story. I will say that. But you know what else tells a story? Possession numbers, shots on goal, shots on target. Those are things that everyone in the stadium understands. I don't need to explain an algorithm to them. And not only that, but no one's explained that algorithm to me. So if I can't I can't sell that product, the expected goals to anybody else because I can't say well it's based on how this is done. It's too it's very very ambiguous and no one's explored the possibility that this algorithm has a flaw in it somehow. Um, it might be that certain types of shots on goal from certain positions at certain times, you know, there might be a blind spot in the data there for some reason because it's, you know, they like to think it's this is fiendishly complicated thing. Um, it becomes easier to just say let's say an example of loyal, you know, they, if they lose a game where they dominate, it's just easier to say, well, loyal dominated possession, you know, had the most shots on target and most of the game was played at the other end, but they just couldn't make the breakthrough that tells exactly without me going to expected goals. I've just explained exactly what expected goals is supposed to do. Like, oh, so loyal had the better of the game, but they just couldn't break through. Goalkeeper made like five saves, they were all over them, but couldn't get through. That's it. That's what expected goals does. I could have just said to you you'll never believe this. Loyal had 3.72 expected goals. How did they not win? And instantly I'm like what a load of rubbish. You've just complete this gibberish, nonsense. You know, it's 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 data for data's sake and you know, stick to the basics on these things. Loyal were better in possession, you know, they had 75% possession, they had more shots, they had more shots on goal. Goalkeeper was amazing, made six saves. And leave it at that. And people know what you're talking about anyway. Unless apparently, apparently, it's good if you're betting. Like if you go to Las Vegas, expected goals is a good thing to to bet with. But other, than, I don't bet, so it does nothing for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I will admit, I you know, I follow the XG philosophy on Twitter, but I never know what it is exactly that I'm looking at. When I see that come across, it sort of confirms what I suspected if I was watching the match on and doing some of the stuff that you just mentioned there, like looking at possession, total passes, et cetera. Have you found that working with with Loyal, have you found that, uh, not to tell any tales out of school here, but I suspect that they're pretty data driven internally. I wonder if you've learned anything just about uh, stats as it relates to soccer being closer to a football club, a soccer club like Loyal then perhaps what we what we view on SofaScore or ESPN.com or any of these other websites.
2: Do you mean, do I notice like things like, do you, about- you know, do you, lo-
1: Yeah, do you pick up on things maybe that they use internally that that you know the rest of us, the the general public are still in the dark about?
2: Um, well, when it comes to, are you talking like, or do I interact with the coaches on this stuff? Because yeah, uh, I mean, if, I if you know. mean that- I I actually, I actively try not, well, I I do try to pass data one way to them, but I don't request any data back from them. And the reason is, is because I always say the most important thing is the product on the pitch. And I don't want to compromise any research that they've done where they say, look, you know, we've noticed that our our opposition this week have a weakness in this department or, you know, there's one player who always does this. Um, But if I find something, um, I will sort of su- make a suggestion mm-hmm. to them. Like, um, if this is any use to you, I, I notice this. Um, well, let me and ask I'm you this f- way: I mean, do, do you suspect that Loyal
1: is, uh, you know, heavy into analytics?
2: Um, I- I'm sure they are, and I think that th- there's there's almost like two levels to it, and um, the, the the science that we talked about Um, it's much more, much more useful, that probably much more useful at a coaching level because you're dealing with other coaches and they know what to look for. You know, they're specialists. They really understand the game far more than most of us. And I'm not a coach and I've never played the game professionally. And I don't like to put, I don't like to put myself in a position where I, I can say, yes, I understand all of this stuff. You know, uh, the way they recover the ball in the final third in the final 15 minutes of the game points to A, B and C things to do with coaching. I never say that stuff. Um, I will st- I tend to stick to stuff that the audience will find interesting because uh, you've got to bear in mind we're doing television and television is very, very quick, very, you know, Okay, get it in a soundbite, get it in one sentence. I can't go on a meandering two minute explanation of what's going on. That's something for a long read. You know, the next day, if you went to a a Loyal um, site and said, so in analytics of the game, blah, blah, blah. uh, That belongs more there. Mine's much more like just rapid fire. You know, you just say like, Mashabane. Every, you know, all six games he scored, Loyal have won the game. So every time Tumi scores, Loyal win the game. That's a nice, simple thing which you can just throw it like when Mosh, if Vance comes on a sub, oh yeah, every time he scores, they win. Loyal got 10 goals from subs this season, uh, most in the league. You know, you can say stuff like that. And instantly, someone who's never watched the team before can instantly go, oh, so this guy's pretty hot then. So this is big, this is a big sub. Um, but I mean, I, if you won, I, next time we can say, so to me, Moshe Bonny, 2.11 XG last time we saw him, <laughs> we could do that and absolutely put people to sleep in my opinion um or we could give them relevant information which they can instantly digest and go oh okay better sit up here this guy's this guy the game changer
0: or you can just yell to me time into a mic like i do or Uh, to me time if you
1: prefer i'll I'll, I'll let
0: i'll let you choose the numbers i you could go any different direction here but i'll i'll ask kind of just an open-ended question in this way what do the numbers say about san diego loyal this season
2: well, the most obvious thing to me is the, the evolution of this team was in the first season, they were very, very possession heavy, but extraordinarily timid in terms of where they went with it. It would be like, okay, possession says 60%, 64% would be normal. No matter who they played, they'd have more possession. But if you looked at the action areas of the pitch, you'd say, well, hang on a minute, and yet 20% it, like that first half, like a third of the game was played in, in the Loyal end. So like whenever the other team got possession, they were straight down their end. Whereas the Loyal, they were kind of knocking it around the back and back, you know, defensive midfield. They would never get to the final third. And now this season, we've gone back the other way, but they, they, they still have possession. But now they're like a battering ram. Now it's like, whoa, okay, they've got multiple options um, for what they can do here. Um, and there isn't just a plan A. I mean, the great example to me of plan B coming to effect was the San Antonio game. Um, when it was, they were, they were knocking on the door and then they threw on um, the subs um, and and then they were, th- and then before we knew it, they were three nil up. Um, it felt, it feels like they've got multiple options now. So the possession has stayed there, but they've got so many other ways to unlock the the attack. And now they've got, uh, what is it, 52 goals? I think it is, 53? I can't remember exactly how many. Uh, but it's number one in the league. Um, and it's the Birmingham game was unusual because it, it it was one of those few games this season where it didn't look likely that they were going to stick at least three goals on the board. I mean, they, I think they've they got three goals in a game ten times this year, which is an extraordinary number. Um, you know, they're not just winning by the odd goal. I mean, they're absolutely battering people off the pitch, um which is a wonderful thing to be able to say about the team um but that that's the main thing I think in a, compared to where we were or where the I shouldn't say we the the loyal were the first certainly season and a half uh it always felt like well they'll keep the ball, but will anything actually happen um now it's a case of oh, let them have the ball for a bit, I mean if they score six, we'll probably score seven, so uh that's a a reassuring element of of how the team has evolved. I remember uh, doing play-by-play for
0: a game last year. It's probably been exactly a year ago because it was mid-August. And there was a match against Las Vegas. And I remember in the fourth goal that Loyal scored in that call saying that it it was a club record. That was the most goals they have ever scored. You say that this year, you're like, yeah, okay. That's a Tuesday. Exactly, That's very normal. Can I ask a quick question? 53 53 goals to answer your question, by the way,
1: George, just because you said something there and and I don't want to, uh, cause I, I must admit, I don't know the answer to this, but since you did play by play, Sean, how do you communicate with the play by play guys? Do you um, talk in their ears? Do you put something up on a screen? I must have been like I never I never well, heard, technically, I never knew how that worked.
2: Technically it, it, it's um it's not really possible for me to communicate in their ear. And the reason is, is because production is done from Dania Beach in Florida. Where the loyal is quite unusual in that the the play by play is is on site and um, I actually have a transmitter, which I I wear a headset as I'm wandering around Torero stadium. So I can hear the rehearsals and everything that are going on. Um, like, like an IFB you would have in a TV studio. So it just transmits it to me. Um, so I'm not in the room with them actually when the game is on, but I can hear everything that's being said. And then what I'll do is I'll start a, a message window, uh, which I'll open on my iPad and stick the iPad in front of them. Um, so as the game is going on, I'm just throwing stuff off on the screen. As I'm looking at the Opta stats and I'm looking at the historical stats and anything that I think is, is going to be interesting at that moment, I throw it on the screen. Um, so a lot of it is dictated by, it, it, you've got to be careful. And this pertains to what I said earlier about data science. You want to keep it on a need to know basis. You know, it's the, the goal isn't to be put as many stats in the game as possible. It's put the killer ones up there. You know, um, one, one I particularly loved last season it's, it's probably my favorite stat in a loyal game ever was that Charlie Adams got in the way of a shot. I can't remember who took it, but he got in the way of the shot on a goal on the goal line and blocked what would have been a goal by accident. Um, now while we were on the air, I was checking the touch maps from the rest of the season and realized that that was the first time in 2021 that Charlie Adams had touched the ball in the box. So, um, The only time at that point he touched the ball in the box was when he stopped a loyal goal by accident, which I thought was an astonishing stat, which we put on the air during the game. (laughs) It's like, you're never going to believe this Charlie Adams. He ends up in the box and he stops a goal by mistake. Um, I'm sure you appreciated that. Oh, well, I probably have a good laugh about it now, but, um, but it was, it was quite humorous to me. Um, So that's the kind of stuff I'll be doing while we're on the air is you know, you obviously got the set piece stuff, like say for instance, you know, um, Kyle Vassell comes off the bench. Okay. Look, what have we got on Kyle Vassell? We've got this. Okay. Let's throw that on there. Um, you know, Jack Metcalf comes on the pitch and it was 150th appearance in USL recently, and he just passed 10,000 minutes. So you've always got that set piece stuff. That's what I call standby stats. Um, then you've got dynamic stats like oh um, metcalf just scored okay well oh geez when was the last time he scored okay well he hasn't score many um then you, immediately you're looking it up and then you're looking like okay in the games he scored what what was the final result did they win the game was it was it an equalizer was it a go-ahead goal and you start digging in from that as we're on the air uh and then when when there's something i think is really cool then i'll hand it you know i'll put it up on the screen in front of jack and say all right his, here it is, you know, distilled. This is this is the this is the killer bit of info that you need, um, and uh, and and trust me, expected goals is not part of it. <laughs> I,
0: it would be very easy to say Kyle Vassell has been the biggest impact of the new players. You could also say that he's the biggest impact of the squad. Do the numbers back that up?
2: Well, yeah, I mean. Vassell obviously has, I think, 11 goals this year, which ties his best ever as a professional in any season. He scored 11 for Blackpool twice, once in League One and once, once in League Two and once in League One, I believe, in England. Um, so you just need the one goal now to be the most successful season of his career. It is fair to say that he, he is the first like, full-time striker that Loyal has had where you think, okay, this, this guy can do the business. Like, and, and there's no, no disrespect to people like Jimmy Moshavani who've been here since the start, um, but uh, the way Vercel has been racking up the score has been fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, it, it takes the pressure off people like Moshavani to produce all that sort of, uh, that sort of goal tally. Um, and I always said about um, Corey Herzog last year, so the, he always, and I said this to several people, he, he looks like the sort of guy who's missing a, someone to play alongside. Like, it's like he's half of the equation. I, I felt like like Corey doesn't look like like we're not getting the best of him because he's he's missing the big man alongside him. Like if if Vassell had been there with Herzog, I'm sure Herzog would have been helping himself like a buffet this season. Um, but um, the only exception to that is Rubio Rubin, of course, who played in 2020. Who he only played like six games, something like that but just scored for fun. I mean, really, I, I said from the start, I was like, this guy's in the wrong league. I mean, I don't know how we've got, I don't know how we've ended up with, I mean, the guy scored against Ajax in the Amsterdam arena. Like I just thought, well, what's how's he ended up here like did he take did he take the wrong bus and he's ended up here um and of course unfortunately uh real salt lake saw it the same way and scooped him up and that was the end of him in usl but he was obviously brilliant um so yeah i've got to balance it like kyle keep banging those goals in but don't be so good that you know someone else comes in uh you know especially somebody like the premier league team comes in and and steals you off us because we really want you to stay sean my
0: final question is similar to the question darren asked earlier about expected goals and how what does it mean and how do you describe it um i'll ask you how do you describe match ratings how do match ratings come about i have no because i never understood that that's just like a random number right
2: yeah i i those it's not that's not information i ever use um like are you talking like like how yeah. Like I could, I could
0: hop on many apps and I can look at the score starting lineup. And then so-and-so was the top rated player. So-and-so's match rating was 7.9. His match rating was 8.1. I'm like, okay, but what does that mean? You could yeah. just put any number there and I, you, people would just say, okay,
2: I don't know. Exactly. I, that, that's my problem with it too, is that it's a sort of subjective and it's based on opinion. You know, I'd much rather say, for instance, the, the Birmingham game, you know, I, I put up a, a suggestion. Okay, well, it's not been, I have to admit, it's not been the greatest loyal performance of the season. Um, I think we'd all agree on that one. Um, but Kyle Adams had a pretty good game. You know, pass accuracy out of the back has been 90%. He won every single aerial duel in the game. Every time, the, every time he went up for a ball, he won it. And I thought, that's, you know, to me, those are relevant numbers. Now, he might not, he might only get, you know, six and a half or whatever out of 10 in the match ratings. But to me, it's like, okay, well, the guy's done his job really well. You know, he kept possession. He wasn't spraying the ball around, and losing possession. And every time he had to go up for those fifty-fifty headers, he won them. Um, so that's much more relevant to me than match ratings. Um, because the connoisseurs among us, and I'd like to think that everybody who's a regular at Torero is a connoisseur of soccer. Because it's not, it's not major leagues, and there's no, there's no glory supporters. They're not, they're not just coming because it's a big, we're in a big stadium or anything like that. No, we're here because we really like the game most of them would, would be far more interested in that sort of stuff than, than the, the, the would-be opinions of certain individuals saying, oh, Kyle Adams, uh, he's five out of 10 because, you know, uh, they lost one nil and he's a defender. Yeah, but hang on a minute. It's not, if you look at, if you look at his uh, individual performance, he had to get a good game. So um, yeah, that's much more interesting to me. I have no idea, incidentally, what his expected goals were in that game. I could probably get it to you if I go and look it up, but I am afraid I, it's not the sort of data I have to hand.
1: And, and just to follow up there, cause this was a perfect way for me to, to end Jordan was, you know, just a little bit behind the curtain. Certainly when, when we all were involved with match day live, we were asked for our thoughts on the man of the match. And I, I bet you if you're part of the locals or if you're part of Chavo's, you wonder how it is decided somebody goes over there and gets a growler of beer. So to your point there, Sean, are you, are you strictly looking? Sometimes you have to factor in those numbers that you might not believe in. Sometimes you just got to believe your eyes. When it comes to, to helping decide who the man of the match is,
2: what do you rely on more, your eyes or, or what some of the numbers are telling you? Great question, actually. And this, uh, this pertains to something I say in both soccer and in Formula One, and that is watch the actual event and react based upon that because statistics can only tell you so much. Um, I say in formula one, when bad pit lane decisions are made, bad strategy decisions. So they've, they've, they've driven this game on their laptop. You know, they, they, you've got to drive the race on the track and it's the same with soccer. Like sometimes you can look at the numbers too much and say, look, the the, the game's being played out there on grass. It's not being played on, on here on your MacBook." Uh, so there's sometimes when I'll, I'll offer up suggestions, like this person could be the man in the match because of these numbers but I'll also not object if someone says, yeah, but the thing is when that guy came on, three minutes later, all of a sudden we were unlocking that team so well. And that that person may not have been the person who got the goals, but he was just causing enough of a nuisance. And if you were watching the game, you're like, that's the guy, you know, I know he didn't get the goals, but the goals wouldn't happen without that guy. So yeah, it is also the final word on it is also trust your eyes and say, look, that guy had a belter of a game or, you know, Koke Vegas made a hell of a save and it was, you know, it was 1-0 at that point and the game was in the balance. And then, you know, I know it said they won 4-0 and it looked like a cruise, but, you know, if coke Vegas hadn't been on form, different story. So, yeah, it's always important to look at the game and, and choose that from that point of view. I am not offended if people don't go purely with the numbers.
1: It's been an amazing conversation. I can't believe we just squeezed 30 minutes out of Sean Kelly That's from crazy. Monaco follow us <laughs> on twitter and instagram sean, virtual stat man
2: sean what's your favorite number <laughs> um today um probably about six because that's about as many hours of sleep as i've had uh because i only just got here yesterday from san diego and i'm struggling ever so slightly and i hope it didn't come through the podcast too badly you sounded great thank you for putting awesome. up with us sean
0: pleasure as always guys talk to you soon all right, Darren, let's take a look at the Western conference standings presented by the bright app. It's the world's leading platform for personal training available on the app store and Google play
1: a little bit of good news, bad news here. We'll start with the bad, a little bit of separation between number one and number two, number one, San Antonio football club in the Western conference, 56 points, 24 matches played loyal seven back 49 points, having their winning streak snapped in Alabama over the weekend. 25 matches played. So San Antonio with a match in hand and a seven point advantage, certainly not writing anything is done and dusted, but huge advantage. Good news is for loyal that even with a loss, picking up six points in the span of a couple of days, find themselves seven points ahead of Colorado Springs, seven points ahead of switchbacks, still one match in hand for Colorado. So it goes San Antonio, San Diego, Colorado Springs, New Mexico, Sacramento, El Paso, who we'll see upcoming this weekend and Las Vegas. That's the top seven in the Western conference standings, El Paso, Jordan, since it's up next sitting six in the Western conference, nine wins, 10 losses, seven draws on the season. They have a winless streak. That's at least five matches. They've lost four. They had a draw this past time out against Colorado Springs, a wild one, a four, four match. So uh, we'll see back to back away for San Diego loyal and going into a place now where I'm sure El Paso is trying to get itself right.
0: Two more matches to go in the month of August. You mentioned the match coming up this weekend at El Paso, San Diego back home midweek match, Wednesday, August 24th. That's going to be next Wednesday. Uh, That one against Oakland, the final midweek match of the season. You look into September and October, the rest of the way, mostly Saturday matches except for one Sunday match against New Mexico um, Torero stadium in October. So we, we get through one more midweek match next week, a home one against Oakland, and then it's weekends, the rest of the way. And, um, then it's very much crunch time. Then it's positioning yourself for a potential buy, um, but very, very much, uh, positioning yourself for the playoffs. So that's where we're headed. That's that is what's coming up. Um, good stuff from Sean Kelly. I I hope, I think it came across really well. I don't think we got too, heavy with numbers, even though it would have been really easy to get lost in numbers in a conversation like that. I was very jealous of his location this morning.
1: I know he was showing us images too. I uh, I realized this is an audio podcast, but Sean was able to take his laptop, flip it around, show us what it looked like going right into Monaco or Mononaco, if you want, however you want to say it. Uh, yes, it, it looked like quite the occasion. And here's the thing I love about Sean is he'll stay up in the middle of the night, wherever it is that he's located so that he will pay attention and watch San Diego Loyal matches wherever it is. And if he can contribute to a broadcast, then he certainly does that as well. I love that about that guy. So, uh, yes, we're, we're envious of his intellect and his uh, location here on the Always Loyal podcast.
0: All right. Episode 30 of the Always Loyal podcast in the books. Our thanks to Sean Kelly. Match coming up this weekend at El Paso. And then next opportunity to see everyone at Torero Stadium a week from when this podcast was posted. Wednesday night, the 24th, uh, San Diego will play host to Oakland. Final opportunity to get out there in a midweek and then weekends the rest of the way. Darren, I'll chat with you soon. Peace. San Diego Community Power is a not-for-profit public agency committed to providing clean, renewable energy at competitive rates and investing in innovative programs that benefit our communities. You can visit sdcommunitypower.org to learn more about cleaner energy choices.